there, and thank you for tapping on another Made by Google podcast episode. My name is Rashid Finch, and this is an episode that I've been looking forward to personally, because I've been a customer of Fitbit for about nine years now. And I remember the day that it was announced that Fitbit would become a part of Google. That made a lot of sense to me. Fitbit's expertise in wearables, health, and fitness would be great if it were part of a wider ecosystem. Fast forward to today, and the first chapter of that vision is now a reality with the Pixel Watch, which offers help by Google and health by Fitbit. So today we're talking about Pixel Watch and mostly about the health and fitness side of it. What's the work that goes into making a wearable great? Our guest knows everything about that side of the Pixel Watch. But before I introduce him, I have to remind you that subscribing to the Made by Google podcast is a wonderful idea. We still have some great episodes coming up, and if you don't want to miss them, just make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever your podcast platform calls it. All right then, let's get into it. My guest today is intimately familiar with making Fitbit work on Pixel Watch. In fact, he's the group product manager for Fitbit and Pixel Watch, the Carlos Love. Ricardo, it's great to have you on the Made by Google podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here and chat to you a little bit about the Pixel Watch. Yeah, definitely want to learn more about that, but also about yourself. So could you describe to us what's your role? What do you do in the Pixel Watch team? Yeah, I'm a product manager within our health and fitness experiences team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my team kind of has kind of two major uh, missions. One is really around how do we build the best health and fitness experiences on devices? Uh, and so everything that a user actually interacts with. Uh, the other core part of my team is looking around sensors and algorithms. So what are the sensors, the algorithms, and how do we make high quality algorithms that are going to power a lot of the health and fitness experiences and experiences in general on our wearables? So I'm guessing to have your job, you need a passion for algorithms and computer science on one hand. It's probably helpful if you care about health and fitness. Do you have any background in there or any personal interest in health and fitness, for example? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely not a requirement, but for me, especially, it's been helpful um, to have that background. So health and fitness is something it's probably the first thing that I remember falling in love with Um, a really big part of my life. My mom was a two sport collegiate athlete, uh, so she played basketball and ran track in, uh, in college. And so I got a chance to actually go to some of my mom's college games, both basketball and track. And I was kind of tagging along with her throughout that journey. I played a lot of sports growing up, everything from uh, running track to wrestling, to playing football, to playing basketball, uh, a little, you know, stint in tennis as well. So it's always been a part. Um, And I was also fortunate enough to be able to compete at the collegiate level in football at Drake University. And after football, I had a chance to work out for different uh, professional teams as well and train at the elite level. Um, And myself, I went into coaching high school, college and pro athletes. Um, So, yeah, I guess you can say it's definitely a little bit of my background that shows up. Wonderful. But then that's only just half of the job, right? Because then you actually need some background in computer science is what you have at university. So how did that interest for computers and computer science came along while you were also doing all the athletic things? Yeah, so that, that's also another thing that at a young age, I just remember having a high interest and probably I felt like it was, you know, not easy, but it was something that I was definitely able to do at a young age when it came to math and science. Right. And quickly, my era growing up technology became a thing, it started to become a thing when I was younger. And I think pretty much from the time I was in ninth grade, I knew that I was going to go study computer science or computer engineering. 
And so much so that when it was time for me to be recruited uh, for football and in sports, you know, I always made sure to talk to the computer science uh, department uh, folks as a part of that to understand and learn like what it was like to go to that school and study computer science there. So I ended up graduating, studied computer science and business in college, and it definitely plays a part of uh, my day-to-day job. Today's guest combines two of his personal passions in one job. As a product manager for Fitbit and Pixel Watch, DeCarlo's love gets to work on sensors and algorithms that he himself would have loved to use back in college. Pixel Watch comes packed with sensors, and while the green light on the back might be the most visible one, there are quite a few more interesting ones. It's up to DeCarlo's and his team to make them work, but that's just for starters. As DeCarlo's will explain, the magic is in using those sensor readings to give you valuable insights in your fitness and health. DeCarlo's worked on the Wear OS team before Fitbit joined Google, so he'll tell you what it was like to see a bunch of amazingly passionate new colleagues come in. And I'm also thankful for DeCarlo's' explanation of my rather remarkable daily readiness score as we were recording our conversation. Find out all about Fitbit and Pixel Watch from DeCarlo's in this episode of the Made by Google podcast. So you end up at Google... And correct me if I'm wrong, but you end up in the Wear OS team just around the time that Fitbit becomes a part of Google. So what was it like to see, you know, a whole bunch of new coworkers come in who are experts in fields that you have a, a huge interest in? Yeah, so I, I joined Google first. Um, I joined a part of the Wear OS team. Um, it was a great time to come in. I was really bought into the idea that Google had a renowned doubling down and in investment in, in high priority for the wearable space. Um, and so things that were happening in Wear OS really aligned with my passion. And so definitely started there, great start. After Fitbit joined and the acquisition closed, it was actually nice to kind of come from the Google world, but also be really close with Fitbit. At the time, I wasn't a part of the Fitbit team officially, but we were working on some things together uh, out of the gate. And it was just really nice to be able to have Fitbit join, bring a culture uh, that they had, right? Fitbit's not a small company when they join Google. So they come with sure. a, a culture and expertise in the health and fitness. Like people over there for decade plus have been eating, breathing, sleeping, thinking about health and fitness um, and doing so in a way that is a nimble, fast and moving. And so bringing that to Google um, combining that with the renowned expertise that Google brings in terms of compute power and, and those types of things, seeing those things come together was really great. And it was just nice to really see both of those worlds, experience what it's like uh, to live in both of those worlds. Amazing. And now you work on Pixel Watch on sensors and algorithms. What kind of sensors are we talking about when we talk about sensors for Pixel Watch? Yeah. So if you think about the sensors that my team focuses on, everything from accelerometers or IMU units, IMU is the way we look at um, measuring in emotion. Right. Uh, so it's inertial. And so we look at using that. So if you think about things like your step count, mm-hmm. or if you think about the sensors that allow you to tilt your wrist and your screen automatically comes on. Um, accelerometers are, are powering those things, you know, the way that we you look at calculating distance um, from a GPS, a GNSS standpoint. And so those things are really core. I think the other portion uh, that really stands out is things like barometer. Those are used to help us with the elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, one that's been uh, super important for us in the Pixel Watch development is how we're leveraging uh, PPG. Uh, which is a sensor that helps us uh, ultimately turn it into things like heart rate. Uh, metrics like heart rate are powered by PPG sensors. 
And that PPG one, if I'm not mistaken, De Carlos, is the green one that I see on the back, like blinking all the time. On the uh, yeah, yeah. So PPG is responsible for the green. It's also responsible for an IR or um, a red uh, light as well. You, you oftentimes don't really see that one, but it, that's also a part of what PPG um, is bringing to the table. Now, I, I couldn't possibly ask you for like a whole lecture that maybe takes years to understand of how these sensors work. But in a nutshell, you have that green light blinking on the back of my Pixel Watch. And then at the end of that, you have a reading of how many heartbeats per minute I have. So how does it see my heart rate? Yeah. So what PPG is able to do is it's able to uh, shed the, the green light and flash the green light onto blood because it's green and blood is red, is able to reflect from that uh, and use that as a opportunity to say and, and translate the heart rate. It's a lot more detail than that, but sure. that's kind <laughs> of the, the super high level is we shine some light, light reflects off of uh, the blood. And from there, we can turn that in using algorithms, can turn that into a, a heart rate measurement. And then what is the largest or the biggest difficulty in doing that? Because you make it sound really easy, but it's probably not. Yeah, there's a lot of things that become challenging when you think about uh, getting a heart rate from a PPG sensor, um, especially at the wrist. I think one of the biggest challenges is definitely around movement. And so if you think of somebody sitting still, uh, it's probably a little bit easier to not even probably it is easier uh, to make that kind of uh, prediction of what a heart rate is based off of PPG sensors a lot more accurately. Uh, but when you start adding in people moving, uh, you think about working out, you think about running uh, moving your arms fast as you start sprinting, uh, moving them in different directions when you're doing hit workouts or in the gym, uh, that motion causes light to move in different ways. And so both of them, when you're shedding the light, but then also trying to capture the reflection, movement really creates a lot of noise in the signal. Uh, right. And so the algorithms have to be smart enough to look at that noise, decipher what is actually the signal, what is just noise, get rid of that noise in an efficient way. Um, mm -hmm. And that becomes a key part of where the challenges come in and where uh, you need some expertise. In, in our case, that was something that was definitely a good candidate for machine learning um, and, right. and led to where we've got to with the Pixel Watch. So how do you use machine learning there? Is it like, how do you teach a computer what is noise and what's my actual heart rate? Yeah, so I think the general premise is that you want to understand, you want to feed it a bunch of inputs. And so you're going to feed it things like, accelerometer, you're going to feed it PPG, you're going to, you're going to feed it uh, different parameters of like who the person is, what their skin tones are, uh, what exercises they may be doing. Uh, you take a bunch of inputs and you spit that into the model and then magic happens and out comes a heart rate. And that's kind of just the, what we had to go through with Pixel Watch is really spending tens of thousands of hours of collecting data with people in all kinds of different settings, whether that's in the gym, whether that's at home, uh, whether that's just an all day uh, situation, whether that's coming into our labs. Uh, we have a great research team that is really great at collecting this type of data. And we worked with a bunch of different uh, folks. We really tapped into the dog food community at Google to help collect these data. Again, we really wanted to get from people in the gym doing everyday workouts, athletes doing some more intense type of workouts. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of that was really collecting data to feed those inputs into the model uh, and allowing the model to learn you know, what was actually good signal, what was noise, 
and how to get that accurate heart rate measurement. Excellent. And for those listening and thinking, what is the dog food community that, that are Googlers who get to try devices before they're out, right? And help you test stuff, yeah, basically. Yeah, they're going to be uh, really great for your product development. Uh-huh. Oftentimes, extremely critical of everything that you're doing. Uh, but ultimately, you know, that, that makes the products uh, have a better chance of being successful. Yeah, that's what I always hear. Like the dog food community, that, that are some tough customers uh, to serve from what I heard. Now, another thing I heard, and that's what I know from the PR side, is that the Pixel Watch checks your heart rate every second. It does a measurement, right? Which is quite a bit more than a lot of other health trackers out there. Could you tell us a bit how we pull it off? And maybe more importantly, why do we do that? Yes. Yeah, so I think if you... Look at what Fitbit does in in Fitbit devices, right? This is Mm -hmm. not uncommon from Fitbit devices. It is a little bit uncommon for some other products out in the market. But for us, we really wanted to lean into how do we make sure that we're tracking every second that a user is moving, every second that a person is breathing uh, to help them really understand their overall health and fitness. And we really think about it as we don't want to miss a beat. With the Pixel Watch, you don't miss a beat. Um, to help you understand how you're doing. And we want to give you credit for that movement and for that activity uh, that's happening throughout the day. And so even if you're at rest, we want to understand those things that are really high accuracy. We want to be able to capture those measurements uh, once per second so that when you look at your graph, you understand what was happening every second of the day. You look back at your time. Uh, if you want to make sure that if you were moving because you ran up the stairs and you gave a little extra sprinting up those stairs, uh, we want to capture that movement. Um, and we want to make sure that when you're looking back at your day or your weeks and you're trying to really assess your overall health and fitness, uh, that you have the full data at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really important to us, not just to give you the data, but also powering a lot of the insights that Fitbit uh, is really known for. Um, and so we have a lot of measurements and things Uh, that are actual insights that can help you make decisions about, do you need to pick it up a little bit more? or Maybe you need to take a rest. Um, And so we have things like our readiness score that are powered by uh, that heart rate that we're tracking for every second. I just wanted to mention uh, the daily readiness score. I don't mind revealing that mine currently is one today. Uh, It's been a tough night yesterday. So how do you measure or come to that daily? Let's start with, could you explain what it is? It's a number between one and hundred. So what does it mean when you have one or when you're on the other side of the scale? And how do you get to that number? What should I learn from it? Yeah. So the idea is helping you gauge on what you should do next, right? So a lot of times we talk about wearables, there's a lot of data and and maybe people don't know what to do with it. And so what we wanted to do is really distill some of that Uh, a lot of the data that we're collecting into actionable insights and readiness is one way that we do that. And like you mentioned, a score from one through 100, uh, 100 means that you're just ready. Like you probably should go and do something like your body is ready to take on that challenge um, based on things like how well you slept, looking at your HRV, uh, looking at your previous activity and really pulling that into that measurement of one through 100. So someone with a hundred score, it's a good idea to go out and get those active zone minutes up. Someone like yourself with a one, I'm going to assume that means that you've been doing some really hard working out. Yep. And maybe you probably need to get some more sleep. 
Uh, and so it just gives you that reminder of those things that you want to do in that check engine of like, hey, what's going on with my body? Have a time, a moment of reflection on, you know, am I eating well? Or thing, am I stressed at work? Because you know, all of those things show up uh, in every aspect of your life. If you're not sleeping well, it's not just going to impact, obviously, your physical, but also your mental. And then also how you show up on a day to day basis. You know, there's good studies out there that talk about people's HRV and their sleep and how that actually impacts them on their day to day life at work. Um, so it's really interesting, like this metrics and these things that started out from a performance standpoint also uh, carry weight into your everyday work life, your everyday going to school um, and how you show up you know, to the people that are close to you, even at home and family. Um, so readiness is an indicator. It gives you a nudge on, on those types of things. And we also within there offer those types of recommendations or showing you where the areas like you didn't sleep or not or you really had a hard workout or, you know, those types of things. If you're really ready, hey, go and do this workout and to get those active zone minutes up. You mentioned an acronym that I find fascinating, which is HRV, which I think stands for heart rate variability, right? Correct, correct. So a person might have a certain variability. And then from that variability, you need to sort of learn what then the inside would be. So how do you know as a Fitbit team or a Wear OS team, what kind of recommendation belongs to which kind of variability? How do you gauge that? Yeah, so when we think about HRV, I think one of the key things that it's a good place to start is understanding what your personal range is. Yeah. Uh, every number for every person can be different. And maybe we should explain to Carlos what is heart rate variability. That is, not everyone's heartbeat is like a metronome exact. Is that a way to, to look at it? Yeah. You know, you might have a, a heartbeat of a 70 beats per minute, sure. but it doesn't mean that your heart is beating exactly at that pace um, every second. And so we can really drill down into the sub one second measurements to understand what the variability of your heart rates are actually are is is what's happening from a HRV perspective. HRV is that indication of are you relaxing or is your flight and flight system actually kicked in? Uh, and so it helps you understand that aspect. And the, the higher your HRV, the higher the variability means that you're able to handle uh, a little bit more things that are thrown at you from a, let's call it a nervous system aspect. The lower it is, it might mean like your your variability isn't that high. In a way, the way that I think about it is like you're a little bit tired, right? Like you mm -hmm. can't really make changes as quickly. You don't have that high variability. I'd like to talk about sleep tracking in a minute, but first I want to get to a section we have in every Made by Google podcast episode, which is Made by Numbers, where we ask our guests to bring a number that is either important to them or maybe important during development, in this case, for Pixel Watch. So, De Carlos, I'm really wondering, what's the number you brought to us? Yeah, so the number that I bought is 200 BPM, and 200 BPM represents the target of where, if I'm having a really tough workout, mm -hmm. uh, I want to see and measure that of how close is this workout going to bring me to the 200 BPM. It's something that when I was training in college and after college, uh, it was a norm for me. I can say that as a, a non-full-time high-level competing athlete anymore, I don't mm -hmm. see that number as often, but it, it's something that I look at and throughout a lot of the training and testing myself and everyone on the team is like super doing workouts, two workouts a day, multiple times throughout the week. And so I measured that 200 BPM. That was my personal, like, did this workout get me close to that? 
That's amazing. All right. So that's made by numbers for us this time, 200 beats per minute. And maybe we should say there that not everyone should probably try and, and get to 200 a minute, right? Absolutely. That is a great call out. Um, heart rate, uh, your ability is definitely personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everybody's target is not going to be the same. Um, and it can mean different things in different life. If my heart rate gets to 200 BPMs, it, depending on what else is going on, not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it, it's just a number that is for me and everyone should think about, um, you know, what's right for them. So let's uh, talk about some other numbers. De Carlos, did you ever get a 100 score on sleep tracking? And if so, how do you do it? Because I'd love to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I personally have not gotten uh, a 100 score on sleep tracking. So uh, if I figure that out, then maybe, you know, we can figure out how to let you know that. Definitely. So how do you do sleep tracking on Pixel Watch? What are the things that uh, are factored in to get to that uh, sleep score? We look at everything. Heart rate is a part of your sleep score. Obviously, we're pulling in what we call the IBI or the inner beat intervals. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at that information to help us out with sleep stages. We obviously look at movement. Again, we talked about those IMU units. Yep. Um, so we're looking at all of those sensors and those different algorithms and those measurements um, and factoring that into ultimately tracking when a person is asleep their sleep stages and their sleep score. So everything from how much movement you're having, how long did you sleep compared to what a, a good amount of your target is. The Again, their inner beat intervals, which is related to HRV, uh, is, a, is a factor in sleep stages. And then again, heart rate is also a, a factor in there. Now, if we zoom out a little, because we were focused so much on Pixel Watch and health, what else do you think or feel is important that a Pixel Watch brings to a user outside of health, but still helpfulness in general? Yeah, I think having access to the suite of Google tools is really important for the Pixel Watch. And everything from being able to have your notifications uh, on your phone, being able to maybe at times leave your phone at home in the car, in the gym, in the locker room and go out on a run mm-hmm. um, and being able to still have access to full GPS and things like that to being able to have messages respond to your loved ones and keep that conversation going from the wrist when your phone might not be as convenient to pull out and text on. Those are some of the things that I think people can look forward to. Everything also from the full access to the Wear OS ecosystem and the suite of other app developers is also another important aspect. Uh, Things like Google Assistant uh, at the wrist is something that I use on a day-to-day basis, whether that's unlocking my door Maybe turning off the lights from the wrist and being able to do that quickly and easily is another aspect. Or are you using YouTube music during my workout? So you kind of have that whole, what are the things that are helpful um, from a, a Google standpoint? And then I think there's a overarching theme, which is something that we saw again with the machine learning and the AI is that Google is known for that. And so those things are weaved throughout different experiences uh, within the Pixel Watch and uh, within the health and fitness, we talked about machine learning and empowering our heart rate, but that also shows up in all the other Google experiences as well. Now we've had uh, some more product managers on the Made by Google podcast, of course, and, and one common thread is that no one's ever really satisfied, right? There's always something to improve, always some grand vision that needs to be implemented in the next device or the device after. So when it comes to health and fitness, what are some of the things you look forward to adding to a wearable? Like what else should it be able to do that no wearable does today? That's a really good question. I think just thinking about broad strokes uh, from them and not really specific features. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the the idea of really leaning into, you know, we want to create helpful experiences. 
And so from a smartwatch, what are those things that we can proactively do to help a user out? From a health and fitness standpoint, I really think it comes down to, again, doubling down on those actionable insights. It's not enough to just give you data. Uh, we need to give you insights to help you learn what the data means, but even take it a step forward to help uh, guide you along your health and fitness journey and giving you those actual recommendations to do, whether that is something like, hey, we need to help you run faster, or maybe we need to help you understand how to pace yourself better or what type of workouts you should be doing to achieve your actual fitness goals. Uh, things like that, I think, are something that are exciting. And again, just from a user standpoint, that um, really getting to the place to uh, live out that vision for us to really create that coach on the wrist. And that's something that we look forward to continuing our journey on. Now, to Carlos, a few episodes ago, we had Isabel Olson on, who is responsible for color material finish and then also design of Pixel Watch. I imagine you work closely with her team because she wants it to look great and you need it to be maybe a certain size to fit all those sensors in there. So how does that process work of designing a Pixel Watch? Yeah, uh, so absolutely right. We we work really closely with Isabel and her team in pulling together the Pixel Watch but I think across all of our teams, one of the things that's most important is really putting the user uh, front and center. Mm-hmm. And what are those things that are going to stand up uh, to a user's needs, but also add a feeling to the user. A person feels good about wearing the watch and, you know, good from like how it looks, how it feels on their body, um, how it shows up in the, the light when other people are looking at it. All of those things are really important. Again, putting the user there. And I think through our process is really about uh, those different iterations and how do we you know, start with the hypothesis and, and form an opinion? Uh, and how do we quickly get that into testing? Uh, and then how do we get that feedback again from our dog fooders and just testing um, working with our UXR teams uh, to really look at that? That's uh, something that is like hundreds of iterations, depending on what the different feature is, people really sweating every detail going over that. And that's really a big part of our overall development process, whether that's weekly, daily, talking with different users to understand where we need to go, what problems are there, what things aren't landing. And it really drove a big part of when we felt like we were going to be ready to launch. It was really centered around, you know, how well we're able to respond to those things that came up in the feedback that we were receiving. Uh, So definitely a really big part of our development process. And one for me personally that I've always felt is really important is just making sure that we put the user center ideas first, continue to iterate, make those changes that are necessary uh, and listen to the feedback as much as we can. That's great. Just out of curiosity, it seems to me like extra difficult to work on a product that's so small as a smartwatch. Would you actually sometimes wish like a watch was 2x bigger, make your life easier maybe? Is there any truth in that? I mean, in in general, hardware is hard. Like that's, you know, you hear that like, and that's no, there's no secret to that. Working on hardware is difficult. And then the form factors definitely add to that difficulty. You might be able to have more things in your wish list if the watch was bigger size. But and really, I think we embrace it like we embrace the fact that this is a form factor that is small enough that someone's going to wear with them throughout the day, multiple days throughout the week. Uh, and so I think with given that form factor, it actually allows us to do uh, more. And so I th- actually I think people enjoy it because of that nature. And at least that's how I think about it is kind of put an optimism spin on it, which is like because it's small because it can be worn all the time. It's the most personal device that a person is going to have on them. Um, their phone is great and their phone will always be an aspect, but we truly believe that 
a wearable has that unique thing. And actually the size and the form factor gives us that. And so for me, and I think our teams, we actually embrace that. Like we like the fact that it's small, that it feels personal to the user. So that's something that we kind of, we lean into that. I'm glad you do. And I cannot wait to see what's down the line for the Pixel Watch series in the future. Now, before we let you go, the Carlos, we have at the end of the Made by Google podcast, a top tips for the road where we ask our guests like, what is a top tip in your field or maybe people who want to work in your field or maybe it's even completely different. Maybe it's just general live advice that you want to leave our listeners with. I think there's probably two things that I talk to my team and, and folks about. I think one is really uh, obsess over problems. In this world where you're a product management, you're a designer, an engineer, it's always attractive to go after a solution. And I think when you work at a place like Google, it's full of extremely smart people and folks have all the best ideas in the world. And I think the thing that really can separate folks is how well you can obsess over the actual problem. Mm -hmm. How can you state the problem? How can you put it in a way that other people can then lead to a solution just by understanding your problem as intimately as you can? So I think that's one thing that that's super important. I think the second thing I would say is, is really go after making something that you love, making something that you're proud of, strive to make that thing that is going to have impact on people and good things will come from that. When you put that, that user first and you really say, I want to be proud of this. I want people to use it, enjoy it. And so those are the two things that I say is obsess over the problems and make something that you love and are proud of. Those are great points and great tips. And uh, it definitely looks to me that you absolutely found your passion in the Wear OS team and helping people improve their health and fitness through Pixel Watch. De Carlos, thank you so much for joining the Made by Google podcast. It was great talking to you. Thank you very much. Um, an honor of mine, for sure. Obsessing over problems before you work on solutions and embracing tough challenges. Hearing De Carlos say things like that instantly reveals that he's both an athlete and an engineer. Thanks so much for your time, DeCarlos. Can't wait to see what's next for Fitbit and Pixel Watch. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Made by Google podcast. And that one matters. See what I did there? I think the team behind the new Matter smart home standards probably sick and tired of all the wordplay on the Matter. So I'll be careful next week. If you haven't yet, subscribe to or follow our podcast. Take care, keep those sleep scores high and talk to you next Thursday.